0: Hi, everyone. You're listening to Who I Met Today, and I'm your host, Pam Lamp. I'm all about doing one tiny new thing every single day. And on this podcast, I invite you to come along with me and discover something new through conversations with people from all walks of life. I hope you enjoy listening to these interviews and exploring new territory with me. For more people stories and episodes, please visit my website, whoimettoday.com. My guest today is Nina Badson. Nina is a writer, a podcast host, a creative writing instructor, and an authority on all things friendship. Making new friends in different stages of our lives is never easy for anyone, no matter our age, and friendships, social engagement, and connectivity seem to play important roles in staying sharp as we get older. I'm excited to talk with Nina today and hear some of her ideas for meeting people and building friendships. Hi, Nina. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks
1: for having me. I'm so excited to be on your show this time.
0: Nina, writers write about what interests them. And in your case, it's friendship. Your articles have appeared many, many places. And you also have a podcast where you cover everything from the benefits of couples, friends, to widowhood and friendships, to how friendships change with age. Can you give us all a cocktail version of how you got started with
1: the friendship angle? So really quick version is that I have always been extremely passionate about the topic of friendship, which I credit to my mother, who also has a lot of friends and it doesn't just have friends, but it's like really intentional about it and has talked to me about it my whole life. But as a writer and you know, writers have beats, you know, and for a long time I wrote about parenting and I've had other ones. I wrote a lot about Judaism and every aspect of it. But on both of those topics, I kind of got to the end of the road. With the kids, my kids were getting just a little bit older, old enough that I didn't really want to be referring to them. I wasn't really writing about them per se, but when you're writing about parenting and you have four kids, like obviously you're subtly referencing things from your own life, like how could you not be? Those are the kids I knew the best. And they were just getting a little too old for that. I didn't want there to be any crossover. And then in terms of all what I just call the Jewish stuff, I mean, there's just only so many ways you can slice up Passover and write about it like in (laughs) every other holiday. So it got to the point where I just really had nothing new to say. And I'd written for a lot of Jewish outlets. I'd had a couple articles about friendship out there and two women who were starting a website called the Her Stories Project, which at that time was focusing a lot about friendship. They now do other things. They were looking for a friendship columnist and I knew them and they asked me to do this advice column, which I felt funny about because I'm not a therapist. I'm not a social worker. But they were like, you know, we'll just make this part of the gig that that is the point of it, that you're not a therapist. This is advice you're just going to get from a regular person who's really serious about this topic. And that was back in 2014. So, I mean, it's 2023 now I've been writing about friendship for a long time.
0: Well, I keep hearing and reading that loneliness is a real problem for a lot of people. And it's not just older folks. We've got people working from home, taking online classes, having conversations without actually speaking to one another, and we just don't connect like we used to. So I'm excited to hear your ideas about making friends. But before we do that, I have heard you say that not all activities or ideas for making friends are created equal. Can you tell us what you mean by that?
1: Yes, because I'll encounter in a lot of articles, many lists for different ages. Well, it doesn't even matter which age group you're talking about. The activities are somewhat similar no matter what. And there are different ways to connect with people in an activity, but I sometimes will see on the same list to sign up for a class where you know there's a teacher, maybe, and look, I don't mean a class where you're getting a grade, but in this case, for people who are trying to make friends in midlife or later A lot of times, like my mom takes classes at OSHA, I think is the name of the organization, where it's all over the country where you can take classes as a retired person at different colleges. Nothing wrong with that. She enjoys it. But she goes with a friend she already has. So they carpool and then they're hearing a lecture and they don't really talk to anybody after. And so I would say if you're really looking to make a new friend, I think you need to sign up for a class where you are called on to interact so that you can actually interact with people. So I want something I want to tell you that I think people should think about is that there's a study that gets quoted in every single article about friendship. If you ever pick up any book or article about friendship, you're going to see this study by a researcher named Jeffrey Hall out of the University of Kansas. And he says it takes 40, well, they studied it. He doesn't just say it. It takes 40 to 60 hours to go from an acquaintance to a casual friend, and then 80 to 100 to go from a casual friend to like a, a more important friend in your life, and then over 200 to be a close friend. Now, I think if we're talking about friendships much later, I have no study for this. I don't really think it takes as much time as that. You know yourself so much better. You know what you're interested in. You've had enough friends in your life that I think you can tell in a faster manner whether you're clicking or not. But what I take from that study, no matter what age you are, is that it does take time. How many hours? We don't know really at that age, but it takes some time. So if you're sitting in a class where someone's lecturing at you, I don't really know how you would get to know that person. Whereas if you're doing something like learning bridge for the first time or learning Mahjong or Canasta, and everyone's a beginner and you have to interact, you have to laugh about not remembering the rules for the 10th time, even though the teachers told you guys 10 times, like that creates camaraderie it may be the same number of hours. You may go to a lecture at this university for the same number of hours sitting next to the same person. But if you're actually doing something more interactive, those hours mean more. That's what I'm trying to say is that the quality of the hours really matters for fast forwarding. And who has time later in life to have 200 hours to make a friend?
0: That's interesting. I like hearing that. And of course, we don't have 200 hours to make a friend. But back to the games that you mentioned, Mm -hmm. Mahjong Bridge and Canasta. I have found, as you know, a few years ago, I moved to a new city and didn't know anyone. So I had to really dive into the friend-making world. And I have not taken lessons in games, but I know that there are a lot of community centers, even botanical gardens that
1: will give lessons in different games. That's a great idea. I would really recommend starting with beginners. So sometimes I think people lament, like they're trying to find a Mahjong game. Maybe you're good at Mahjong and you move to a new town or you just haven't played in a while and you want to, You have more time now, you're retired, you want to do it again. And I hear people say, well, I, I can't find a game. Everybody already has their group. That's why you have to start a new group you've heard me talk about this. I am big on like you be the starter. And maybe you only have one person you know who you've encountered who's also looking to play. Okay. So let's see if that person now can invite another person and ask that person to invite another person. Like you don't have to find all four people, but I don't like to see people waiting to get invited, like waiting for a seat to open or try new games. So maybe you've been playing Mahjong. Let's switch over to Canasta then. And now it's much easier to find beginner groups. I would recommend that if you've already been playing a game and you enjoy playing games, but you're somewhere new and you need new people to play with, I would switch games. And I have found that when you're looking at community centers, churches, synagogues, anywhere else that's like trying to provide a service to people, it's actually easier to find beginner classes. And so you might just need to switch games. And that could be a good way to meet new people because now you're all on the same level. You're all trying to find a group because you don't know how to play this game.
0: Well, and you have nothing to lose. The person you ask, the worst they can say is no. And then you move on to someone else. And that would also be the same thing for a book club or maybe a dinner club or a soup club. If you find one person and then ask them to find one person, ask them to find one person, that can work quite well.
1: Yeah, I did that when I moved to Minneapolis 20 years ago. When I started a book club, I only knew two people. So I asked those two people and they were also in a time in their life when they were looking for new friends, which is another really key thing I want to talk about in a moment. And so I asked them to each invite a couple of people and that book club didn't last forever, but it was a good start. Like we, it was a good place. It was nice to know that I had this thing once a month. And one thing about a book club that could be hard for making friends is that it doesn't meet often enough. Finding an activity that meets often. So, Once a week is probably great if you're really looking to make new friends and making sure that you're really focused on the people who are also looking to make new friends. Because, similar to the let's not wait to find a table at the Maj Group, let's or a seat at the Maj Group, you know, start a new group, we look for a beginner class and a different skill. I really wouldn't focus on people who already have set and groups. There are always people looking for new friends there are you may have to look hard and it may not be because they're new to the city it may be because they're newly retired or they have a spouse that passed away or their kids used to live in town that kept them a little busier and now their kids have moved so now they have more time on their hands people's circumstances change that makes them more open if they're not open they'll let you know sometimes they let you know with body language but if they're not open because they're not calling back or whatever i love your attitude pam of just then move on ask somebody else And sometimes people don't do that. They get really focused on, well, this group should be asking me, but that's not how life works. We don't do that.
0: Well, rejection can be difficult too. Back to the book clubs for just a second. There's a a website called bookclubs.com where you can look up book clubs that might be in your area and meet in person. They also have online book clubs, which maybe isn't what you're searching for if you'd really like friends, but it's also a start. And I think both of us have found out that one thing leads to another. Yes. So even though it might seem like a dead end, it can lead to something else. Also, local bookstores have book clubs that meet in person and those are a great way to meet
1: people. Yes, and I'm gonna say something maybe people don't always think of. If you love to read, if that is one of your things you love and you can read quickly enough, you can join more than one book club. Not everybody thinks of that. So I love your idea of, do one at your local bookstore, maybe do one online and maybe even do a third one. Some book clubs only meet once every two months. So if you're a big reader and sometimes you'll see that the clubs will, especially at the local bookstore, they may pick a book that you already read or that you you would have read anyway. And you don't have to go every time. You could just go, because you've read the book. That's fine too. Because uh, yeah, one thing does lead to another. And when you show up places, you just never know. Maybe you show up at your local bookstore for that book club and you see a sign that they're doing a memoir writing class, a four-week summer class or something. And there you go. You wouldn't have known about it if you didn't go. Good
0: point. And you can go if you don't read the book. I guarantee you there'll be somebody else sitting in that
1: circle that hasn't read the book either. What do you think about exercise classes? So I have mixed feelings about it because Mm -hmm. I think sometimes the advice is often to join an exercise class. There can be a barrier there because the class itself, there's no interaction unless there is, unless it happens to be a class that is designed to have some interaction. But most don't. Right. Most you're in and out and then they need that space again for the next class so that they really don't encourage at most gyms that you Hang around before or after. And even at a little studio, like if you're going to like a bar studio or a Pilates studio, something that's smaller, yoga, those too often just have one big room or two, possibly. And then the work, the locker rooms are not very big. And so they need you to kind of come in and out. So they're not really designed for friend making so much. It's just a good thing to do in your life for sure. And I think it's good to make sure you're getting out of the house. But if you're doing a gym, I would also see if they have a... Coffee Club. I know that Lifetime, I don't know if you have Lifetime in Nashville. We have Lifetime in Minneapolis, and I know they're in Chicago and other cities. My mom actually, I'm bringing my mom up again because my dad passed away a year and a half ago, and she has a lot of friends. She's lived in Chicago for 40 years or so. So she has a lot of friends, but she has a different schedule now. She's not caregiving and she finds herself with more time. She just joined Lifetime and she's taking classes. So she's a real live example. However, she's not really meeting people in the classes. What she does is occasionally jo- joins these coffees that are meant for people 60 and up. And it's the coffees where there's potential to meet somebody, I think more so than the actual classes.
0: That's a great idea, I like that. What other areas would you suggest people concentrate
1: on? Well, let's stay with exercise for one more moment. Okay. Instead of thinking like yoga class or that kind of class, I would say more of a game. So instead of a game at a table, like a card game, like we were talking about before, there's a reason pickleball is so popular. Got it. And that, Yeah, it's so popular because there's four people on a court. A lot of pickleball leagues, you keep moving courts. So maybe they have a lot of people who come to play, but they only have four courts or something. You move in and out. Like you play for 20 minutes, you take a turnout. Well, while you're sitting out waiting, there's a whole bunch of people waiting. And so a lot of talking happens there.
0: Nina, I would think that churches and synagogues have a lot of opportunities for social events maybe a Bible study, volunteer groups. What do you have to say about that?
1: There's so many opportunities in all those. And I think a really important thing to think about, and this religion is a great example. There may be something where when you were a child, it was a turnoff to you, or even when you were going through your 20s, 30s, 40s, fifties, even it just wasn't on your radar or it was something religion of any religion was something that you did because your parents wanted you to, or you would show up on a holiday or two or just occasionally a funeral. But sometimes I think people find that maybe they, there is more that they want to know about this thing they were born into or a different religion, like a religion you weren't born into. I mean, people do dabble and I can speak, you know, from the Jewish perspective, there are people who are interested and they may not go all the way to, Becoming Jewish or becoming part of a synagogue, but they're interested. So they take an introduction to Judaism class, which almost every synagogue offers. And again, I'm going to have to stay with Judaism because that's the one I know the best. There is a tradition that's really important when a parent dies. It only goes on this long when a parent dies. And it's that you go every day or as much as you possibly can to say a special prayer called Kaddish. And you're saying it for your mother or your father, and only your child can say it for you. And I have seen people, you know, older people, but not even just older, I mean, you can lose a parent any time, of course, decide to do that, even though they were never religious their entire life. And a really neat thing in Judaism is that prayer and most prayers need to be said with 10 adults, nine other adults, you plus nine people. So you're never alone doing that. And I, I have read a few things recently, actually, as a matter of fact, where somebody who wasn't at all religious, they were born Jewish, but just, you know, not something they were really into, decided this was something they wanted to do for their mother or their father, just like for their memory, for their spirit. And of course, like most things that you think you're doing for someone who has passed away, I mean, you're really doing it for yourself. And it's part of like your own grieving process. And you're there with other people who are in that process. Maybe someone's six months along already, or they're four months along or something, but they're there for the same reason. And already now you have these couple of things in common you have the fact that you lost a person that you're showing up at the same place at the same time. And it's short, but then you end up hearing about kind of like we were talking about the bookstore. Now, you know, but this writing class that the bookstore is holding, you're going to your church or synagogue mosque anywhere. And now you know that they need a volunteer in the preschool. And so you're like, Oh, you know, maybe I'll do that once a week. Or you're hearing about another class that they're holding that you actually didn't know you were interested in, but now you are, they're having a great speaker. The theme here, I think that you and I both like to hit on is that when you try something new, you learn about something else new or another person that is interesting to you that you just never would have known about before. So yeah, I guess I had a lot more to say about the religion opportunity than I thought, but I think it's a really undertapped one in America because, you know, people kind of poo-poo it.
0: Well, and it's absolutely a domino effect. Now I've been hearing a lot about walking meetup groups, including a website that I'm subscribed to here in Nashville that also has a walking group. You go on Facebook or you sign up for a blog and dozens of people get together at assigned times on assigned trails or in parks and walk together. Some have pets that they take with them. Some are just women, some are
1: couples, some are men and
0: women. I just thought this was a great way to meet
1: folks. I'm so fascinated by these. I've also seen this pop up a lot. I see it on social media and you know, from different cities, but I do find that really interesting. Here's what I'm curious about. If you go to one of these huge walking events and like you are next to someone for a little bit, is it socially acceptable the way it would be at some sort of gathering where people are like at a dinner, not a dinner or sit down dinner, but where there's like standing tables and, and more like apps where the expectation is you're going to chat with someone and then you're going to walk to the someone else. I wonder, and I, I, maybe you, I don't know if you know, if you're walking next to someone after 10 minutes or so, do you go walk next to someone else so you could get to know someone else? Or would that be rude? Like, I'm curious about the etiquette of it.
0: Well, I don't think it would be rude. I think that it might even be expected. They did not have these groups, at least to my knowledge. They weren't a thing when I moved here seven years ago. But I would certainly have joined a group like this And I bet you're more than walking with one person. You're probably walking in clumps and then you kind of break off with people that are interesting to you or that you have something in common with. And then you can always go grab a cup of coffee afterwards.
1: Yes, that's true. And you brought up the pets. I think I don't have a dog, but I know that that is a huge bonding thing for people. And it's certainly at least a safe conversation to start with. And I think in the walking groups, that probably happens a lot. Like, oh, tell me about your dog. What's its name? And, you know, how long you had it. I mean, there's so much to talk about with pets and it's like, a you know what I mean by safe topic? Like sometimes it can be hard to have those beginning conversations and a pet is an easy, easy first place.
0: A great icebreaker. And you had mentioned classes. You mentioned the, I believe the classes your mom was taking were part of the OSHER Lifelong Learning Institute, which we also have here through Vanderbilt. Most universities across the country offer them and i have taken a few i think you have to be 50 to take the classes they were all in person until covid and then a lot of them went virtually and i i haven't gotten back into it yet but they have great classes dancing yoga meditation writing steel drum playing lectures on different destinations to travel religious destinations. Neuroscientists speak about health matters. It's just a wonderful way to enrich yourself, even if you are just sitting and not really conversing with those around you. There's some socialization times afterwards, but I, I was quite frankly more impressed than I thought I was going to be when I went. I thought it was great. But there's also community centers and art centers, art stores offer classes. What else would you suggest?
1: well, I love the idea. I do love the idea of classes. I think lifelong learning is just good for your brain and you know keeps you interested and interesting, and it gives you more things to talk about when you're doing all these other things like walks and coffees exactly now you have material to talk about. I love to see people if they're doing a class one where there's not much interaction like we've been talking about if there if it is more of a lecture, maybe thinking about organizing a coffee twice a month for people who want to talk about what was learned in the class. And you know that the conversation will move on from that probably pretty quickly, but it gives people a good context, like a reason to come. Sometimes if we call things like this is to make friends, it makes people feel funny. But if you just say, this is for anyone who wants to talk about what we had in the lecture today, it could even be more spontaneous than an organized thing. I mean, you can... I I don't know if they have like lists for these class of students. I do think a lot of them are still online, which I'm bummed to see. Mm -hmm. My mom has a lot on Zoom still. And I'm sort of like, why are they still on Zoom? Like this is where it gets to be an issue of a little too much screen between the people. And it's a place to start. And certainly during COVID, I mean, it was a thousand percent better than nothing. But it's time to get back in person. I'm really pushing that.
0: I agree. And I haven't taken any classes since COVID because I can't find one that I'm interested in that's not on Zoom. And I like being around the people. And now that you mention it, I believe this class community, this Osher class community also had socials. I didn't attend any, but you could go walking or they had different kinds of luncheons and things. Oh, that's good to know. Mm -hmm. I think that's Mm -hmm. really
1: smart of them because they're providing a service of I hope and it seems they realize that of not just lifelong education, which is great, but also these opportunities to connect with people who are interested in the same topic you're interested in. What do you have to say about
0: volunteering?
1: I think that is one of the most wonderful things you can do. I would want to make sure that again, like always I'm I'm having this discussion with you under the mind frame of you're trying to make new friends, not you, but people, your listeners. I would not pick something where you're the only adult if that's the purpose to make other friends. Because if it's, let's say you're working with children and a school needs just one reading volunteer, like that is a great way to use your time. And it's a wonderful way to make sure you're getting out of the house and doing interesting work and using your skills, but it's not going to necessarily translate into making new friends. So when you're looking for a volunteer opportunity, let's say it's at a museum or anywhere else, any religious organization or a non-religious organization, just make sure there's other adults who are part of it. Like it's not just one person at a time type of situation.
0: That's a good point. And I know a lot of cities and towns now have a central website for volunteering where you don't necessarily have to register through that website, but it will just give you an idea of all the different kinds of places that need some extra help that you might not think of if you just got on Google and started going down the rabbit hole.
1: I know that Facebook has a lot of really good specialized groups for cities. And that is where the action is. It's almost not that different from elections for, you know, sometimes there's so much focus on the national election when really it's like local politics that make a difference in your day-to-day life. Same thing with these Facebook groups, because I'm in some Facebook groups that are for you know, moms of a certain age, you know, from everywhere. And and those are so overwhelming, but any Minneapolis group I'm in, I'm getting such good, helpful information. I'm learning about things that are helpful to know for my kids. Let's say it's applying to college or anything that I'm trying to find out. If I'm in a Minneapolis group, it is so much better. Even if I don't know the person, somebody knows the person who knows the person. I mean, it takes a really big thing and makes it so much more manageable. So I think people should not be afraid to delve into Facebook groups that are city-specific if you're looking for information and activities.
0: Nina, how would one go about
1: finding these groups? So I would just start with going to the search box on your Facebook account. And well, I'm just going to use Minneapolis. This is not a real group or might be, but it's not what I know of. I would put into the search box... Minneapolis volunteers or volunteer opportunities in Minneapolis. I'm just thinking volunteers for a moment or book clubs Minneapolis. Like whatever I'm looking for, and then you'll see that there's all these groups that exist that have a name something like the thing you're looking for, and you click around and it takes a little bit to figure out if it's what you're looking for. You might join it. A lot of Facebook groups have a couple questions before they let you join, which is good. That shows that they're trying to weed through people who are really interested and people who really. Aren't.
0: Another thing to think about, Nina, might be volunteering for a major event in your city or town. Maybe there's a basketball tournament or a baseball tournament or the Super Bowl,
1: something like that. Yes, that's such a good point. And it may be something that happens every year so that if you become part of this volunteer core for this event, it's something you could do again. It may even be just a one-time thing like the Super Bowl, but that is a really fun way to meet new people. And I volunteered before COVID, so probably four or five years ago for an organization in Minneapolis called The Loft that teaches a bunch of writing classes. It's a very bookish, author-focused event. And they needed so many volunteers. I mean, all kinds of things. They need people to drive. They need people to run errands. They needed people to staff the welcome booth where authors who are speaking come just to like pick up some information and grab a snack. Like that's what I did because I didn't want to do any driving or schlepping around. (laughs) That was like stand in one spot. Don't blame you. And by the way, get to meet some cool authors. I mean, that was neat. And it's not like I did it to make new friends per se, but it was just cool to be part of something in your town. And certainly people could make friends that way.
0: Well, that's a pretty good list. That's a very yeah. good that's a very good list. And the long and short of it, I'm sure you will agree, is that you have to put yourself out there. You have to get over your worries and jump in. Nina, you also have a book club and I'll put all this information in the show notes. You do book reviews. What are you reading now?
1: I am reading Curtis Sentenfeld's romantic comedy. I love Curtis Sentenfeld. She's actually a local Minneapolis author, not born or raised here, nor was I. But she's a Midwesterner like I am, and I just get her sensibility. And I love that her books are kind of light, but there's so much truth in them, if that makes sense. Like they're literary, but they're not overly serious. They're very readable and enjoyable, and I like her stuff a lot. So that's romantic comedy.
0: And I'm sure there's some friendship in that book.
1: You know, it's a little more romance related, but there's definitely platonic friendship, which is interesting. And for nonfiction, I just finished Lisa DeMore's The Emotional Lives of Teenagers. I I read mostly nonfiction, actually, not for my book clubs and stuff, but I just personally gravitate to nonfiction a lot. And that's a lot about teenage angst and drama. I have four kids. Three of them are teenagers. So that's helpful to me.
0: So you just have a little bit of angst and drama in your household. <laughs> yes, Nina, as you know, I always like to ask my guests what one new thing they've done or discovered lately, and I can't wait to hear what you're going to share.
1: I think you're going to be very underwhelmed by mine, but find it amusing, which is that I, this weekend, like in the past two days, is very current, for the very first time ordered an Uber, and took an Uber by myself.
0: I love that. <laughs> yes. New I have, things do not yes. have to be big things, although this is kind of a big thing.
1: And I was intimidated by it because I was going to a old friend's kids bat mitzvah in Maryland. So I was flying without my husband and family. I've been in Ubers before, but I'm kind of embarrassed to say, like, usually my husband orders it. Or occasionally... If I'm traveling with a friend or something, they just do it because I didn't have it on my phone even. I was sure. like, oh, I don't have the Uber and I would send them money for my half or whatever, but I just didn't have it on my phone. And then the more time went on, it just sort of felt like insurmountable, which is really silly because I'm an extremely techie person. I mean, I have a podcast, I do all that myself. And so I'm like- Finally, I did like a lot of things you talk about in your show. I like just got over sort of the silliness of, I'm like, okay, everybody can figure this out. I can figure this out. And so I set up the app and I did it. And an airport was kind of a scary time to have that be the first time you do it. And I've taken cabs a million times by myself through the years, but people don't do that anymore. Like I know how to get to an airport, go to the line for the cab and stand in line. But I had to figure out, you know, where the Uber picks up, which is sometimes different from where the other transportation is. But I Which did terminal?
0: It. Which terminal? Right. Depending on what exactly. airport you were in.
1: Yes. And it was right. Washington, D.C., right in the big airport. And I did it. And it took me all the way out to the far suburbs of Maryland. I mean, I wasn't staying in D.C. I had to take that Uber for a long time. And by the way, it was a lot more expensive than I had sticker shock. I was like, oh, OK, this was I probably could have like ordered myself a driver, but this worked well, too. You know, they've gotten
0: really expensive in the last year or so. Yeah. I don't take them nearly as much as I used to. We live in a building, so it's very easy to get an Uber and scoot downtown or over to the other side of town for dinner. And we're finding ourselves driving more now because it's just so expensive. And especially if it's a busy time. Right. And I
1: live in the suburbs. So, you know, in the suburbs, we just don't take Ubers that much. Yeah, It's not necessary. Exactly.
0: Well, I'm very proud of you. I thank like you. that
1: one. Well, thank you for sharing. I love this part of your show. I think it's a really fun thing. it's like something that is a challenge for one person isn't necessarily a challenge for another person or you get ideas from people. It's great.
0: Nina, thank you so much for being on Who I Met today. I really appreciate
1: you coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I really, really loved it and hope to have more conversations. Well, that's it for today's show. A huge
0: thank you to Nina for joining me. If you have other ideas for how to make friends, I'd love to hear your suggestions. If you enjoyed this episode, and I hope you did, I hope you'll listen to other episodes and spread the word about this new show. A huge thank you to Brian at Top Tier Audio for his advice and guidance. And thanks to you for tuning in. And remember, I'd love to hear from you if you discover a fun new thing. My email is pam at whoimettoday.com.